You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Showreel, and we're focusing on Australian film industry and things that are happening in it, as well as films that are made within it. And uh, today, we are luckily enough got to chat with Laurie Bannington. Anato, uh, she, he, oh, they, they are the First Nations producer for the 2023 Australian International Documentary Conference, which is uh, starting on Sunday and goes to the 8th, that's Wednesday, and uh, Laurie, they took some time out to have a chat with me about the uh, uh, Indigenous Creators Program and all the other sessions that are going on in that area that sh- they have been part of. Uh, here we go. Let's have a chat uh, with Laurie. Now, thank you very much for talking to me today, Laurie Brennigan Ontano. You're uh, the fifth um, uh, uh, producer of the um, Indigenous Creators Program for the AIDC. Uh, which is starting on Sunday. Can you tell me uh, what was the uh, attraction to working on this particular project for you? Yeah. um, I mean, having been previously an investment manager with the First Nations Department at Screen Australia, I was really fortunate to be part of the founding Indigenous Creators Program back in 2019, Um, And so I was quite familiar with the program and believed in its capacity to grow the number of First Nation creators attending the conference. So it was a very easy uh, query to say yes to when AIDC reached out and asked if I'd be available um, because I'd been in attendance since 2019 um, and know the value that this program can add. Yeah, and uh, it, the interesting thing about the AIDC is that it's a very practical and uh, uh, approach to uh, 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 documentary filmmaking in the sense that it brings creators to the business world and uh, their audience. And uh, for uh, Indigenous filmmakers, this might have had a, a particularly difficult element to it. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Any marketplace that practitioners um, need to attend, it requires you to walk away from your day job, from your families. It requires quite a bit of upfront equity to pay for the pass 
the accommodation and the travel. Um, so programs like this really seek to uh, provide opportunities um, where, which would not be possible, certainly for myself uh, included. I would not be able to simply afford to get to these places and have these conversations, which are really critical. And, and beyond the conversations, I think it's also so important to get practitioners in the same space, particularly being mob across the country, opportunities like this give us a chance to talk to each other as well, more than, you know, just being a part of the marketplace, which is certainly important. Uh, but something that I really value, um, having been part of this program previously, is the opportunity to connect with my First Nations, First Peoples filmmaking community. And uh, part of that, well, that takes us straight into the part of the program that is a stream within the AIDC. That you'd have to say that the. Uh, uh, the Indigenous Creators Program has special sessions and it is, has this strong sort of almost uh, spine running through the entire uh, program, doesn't it? Yeah, so within the Indigenous Creators Program, it is a closed First Nations program. Uh, we have First Nations practitioners from across the country as well as globally, um, and that means it's a space where we can talk about the issues that are relevant to us and it also gives us the space to explore issues uh, in depth that might not suit the mainstream program. Uh, and certainly I feel um, always excited when people who are non-First Nations want to be part of the program. It means that we're programming things that are exciting on a, on a broad level. Um, but I think it's important to provide these spaces that First Nations people have been kept from historically. Um, you know, uh, kind of uh, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with um, a First Nations board member, Douglas Watkin, and we reflected on the you know, significance of being allowed into these spaces when our ancestors and um, our old people weren't even allowed into general spaces. So carving out a space for us is so significant and um, it also means that you know, mob get the the attention um, and and the sessions that they really need to move them onto the next stages in their careers and to move our sector onto the next stages, building upon such a strong foundation that we have. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I was, that brings to mind a piece of footage of uh, the uh, original uh, person, uh, the uh, indigenous uh, owner, really, of the land that they were building the Canberra on uh, and the opening ceremony and there's footage of him there and of course he's not allowed to be in there. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was so uh, interesting, very interesting stuff. Um, so in this particular stream uh, you have Finding the Right Producer. Now this is important, isn't it? practitioners without the credits by way of, you know, not being allowed into spaces or, or, or having, um, you know, disadvantages to get into those spaces, we're often asked to partner with people who are more experienced. Um, and that comes with many opportunities, but it also comes with a number of risks, them being, um, you know, cultural risks in particular. Um, and so this session um, is, is really about exploring how do you vet a producer? How do you how do you seek to explore whether this 
this professional relationship is, is going to be maintained um, and, and that your values uh, suit, which is so important in any professional relationship, um, but particularly for First Nations people to um, ensure that we as uh, Indigenous people are caring for our knowledge and our community's knowledge. Um, it's really important for us to make sure that we go into um, these relationships with all of the knowledge possible to ensure that we ourselves aren't doing anything culturally inappropriate as well. Yeah, this is an intersection between the two cultures uh, too, isn't it? Uh, Western culture is completely blind to so many uh, important... And I'll fess up, I'm of Western culture, uh, Mm -hmm. Irish background, but... um, it's completely blind to a whole range of things uh, and the film industry and the culture industries can be greedy cannibals of past stories, right? Certainly. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a business, this, this industry. It, it, it intersects between business and creativity. So I think that a lot of people can go in with the mindset that, oh, everyone is goodwilled. It's a creative sector. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a business and people will do things that are in the best interest of saving money. But that can go against our protocols. You know, for instance, we need to take time to talk to the proper community members. And, and that could really blow out development or production periods. But as Indigenous creators, we know that we can't carry on in our daily lives and go back into our communities without caring for that knowledge in a respectful and rigorous way. Um, and I think it also allows for better better practice, but also better content, you know, having that authenticity. I can certainly speak to, you know, um, there's two projects I'm highlighting, um, First Weapons and First Inventors. They're two series that will be out later this year. But the practitioners are going to really explore, and this is in the main session, this one, um, but they're going to explore how important it is to bring in the experts from the community and to bring in the elders because it adds such a brightness, a levity, a depth to everything that they're creating. Um, So not only is it important in a cultural sense, but it, it adds value to the production itself. So what might seem like something that isn't going to make sense in a, in a business capacity, we actually know will ensure a project is better and will travel further and will have that longevity because it is appropriate and just more interesting and authentic. Yeah, uh, well, uh, having done interviews along this line, talking to the people from Big Art, for example, when they were doing the Namajira film, uh, going to Hermansville and asking permission to tell this story because those stories are owned by people, right? Oh, yes, yes. And it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, and and that's, that's what I think is key going into... First Nations, Indigenous stories, you know, we we are a whole continent. Uh, We are made up of over 400 different language groups. So we don't all have the same practices either. In one community, what might be owned or um, protected by one or two people in another community, that could be super far-reaching. And then the implications of colonisation and breaking the lines of generations has meant that in some cases the appropriate authority figures may not be easily identifiable. 
Um, so it's it's very complex sometimes, particularly dealing with anything um, that is sacred. And um, I know certainly for myself, you know, when I hear that people are going into stories that are sacred or about the dream time, like I shudder a little bit because I know the the, the, the level of consultation that is required to tell those stories um, with the appropriate permissions is huge. And I think that's something as Indigenous creators, we go in with a knowledge of, you know, it's not just as easy as we're going to pick this, you know, historic, uh, you know, um, this figure from this story and just be allowed to do whatever we want with it. We, we know um, that we have to go in and explain the use and, and get the proper context because even if we belong to the particular mob, we we may not be privy because information isn't just holistically owned and there's no um, kind of way to generalise ownership between our different communities. So I think that's really important to keep in mind when, you know, people want to go in with um, that, that, you know, wanting to elevate knowledge. Um, the work that's required to do it appropriately is massive and I think can only be done with mob, with that uh, filmmaking knowledge hand-in-hand with the cultural knowledge. Yeah, yeah, this uh, it, it, uh, is really the uh, abutting against capitalist uh, mindset, isn't it? It's extraordinary. Mm. Uh, in fact, if, it w- if this collaboration and this negotiation actually bears fruit... Uh, perhaps the world will be saved, I'll have to say. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's a great thing that what you're doing. I noticed that uh, it also has a sequence in it that's called Still We Rise, which mm. is focused on archival footage, which is really important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, even looking big picture at documentaries, um, First Nations people across the globe have been kind of anthropological studies, you know, in, yeah. in the founding years of documentary making. Um, so archive, I think, is a very powerful method of taking back our own history and our place in it and repositioning the archive that may have had a demeaning view and recontextualizing it to show it for what it is, which is we were always humans and we should have always been treated well and we weren't and that needs to be acknowledged um and so still we rise i think is a perfect example of recontextualizing footage a lot of footage that at the time um audiences you know more general australian and you know probably european australian audiences may have looked at this footage and condemned the actions of the activists But in what John Harvey, the director, and Anna Grieve, the producer, have done is completely reposition this archive that that they have worked with ABC Indigenous to to use uh, and create something that is an empowering image um, of resistance. Uh, And it has, you know, completely takes away any of that um, original context. Or or it doesn't take it away, but it it, it recontextualises it um, for a contemporary audience um, so that First Nations people can look back at this history and be proud of, of what was done um, at the Aboriginal Embassy. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, um, that also brings into uh, light such a film as A Blaze with uh, Bill mm. Onus and his uh, foresight into understanding how important film 
could be to his fight. And also David Gilpil, who um, was a master of blending the two cultures. Mm, Absolutely. And, I mean, that's kind of really what we want to pay homage to in our generation session. This is another one that's in the mainstream. And um, I, I use the imagery of a blaze for that session in particular because it is about looking back, uh, which Ablaze really does so well um, in, in, in looking at the founding documentarians um, for Indigenous people here. And that session, I really hope to look back um, at all of the amazing stories that have brought us to this point. Um, of course, there is so much to be done, um, you know, further and, and we have huge and big aspirations. But I think it is important to look back because First Nations filmmakers, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants, you know. Like, I feel so blessed looking back at um, founders like Wal Saunders, who started the, First, the then Indigenous, now First Nations Department at Screen Australia, um, or even people like Frida Glynn, um, who started up Karma. You know, our sector would not be what it is without people like that. And so we don't often look back at conferences. It's very much like what's out now or what's coming out soon. But this is an opportunity um, to do what we love to do, which is honour where we came from and, and the, the good fight that um, our ancestors fought so that we could tell our truth in this way. And I think every every film up until this point has built little bit by little bit in allowing us to become the storytellers we are. And that has been done with collaboration. Um, you know, it hasn't been done in a vacuum. Um, and it's, it's certainly incredible to look back at the amazing allies that have brought these films, um, you know, to fruition. It's, you know, an amazing kind of feat of collaboration. Yeah, well, uh, it's like you say, it's uh, the AIDC uh, conference this year has a theme, Agents of Change. And of course, Agents of Change are the past as much as the present and the future. And um, I was uh, fascinated that uh, you're going to have uh, an an in-house for First Nation practitioners, um, a screening of... um, you can go now, which is an incredibly amusing but also powerful film uh, uh, that uh, focuses on uh, Richard Bell. But you're also going to follow it with a Q and A with the director Larissa Berendt. And uh, this, this, this is like the fact that it's an in-house uh, affair is interesting to me because it means that it opens the door for people to say exactly what they want to say. Absolutely, and that's the intent with our our closed First Nations-only programs is it's a space for people to have the discussions that um, we need to have as a community. There there are just some things that aren't always going to be relevant um, because um, there are some things that we deal with specifically and, um, you know, relate to on on a level that just isn't going to happen depending on your background and that's absolutely fine and that's also not to say that we're not a super diverse people when we come together but there are certainly relevant issues that are easier to explore with people who have had that experience like us Um, and these sessions are, are all about all about that bringing the community together providing that space to have those those discussions and um, I'm, I'm so excited, you know, that uh, we're, we're partnering with, with ACME to, to bring this 
um, First Nations Film Club screening to AIDC so that the practitioners who've travelled in can be part of um, what I um, have heard is, you know, a really great uh, film club. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to be part of that in particular. Just to finally let you go, because I'm sure you're incredibly busy because you're preparing (laughs) for the big event on Sunday. Um, You've also got, uh, this is taking care of business, this is taking care of cultural business, a yarning circle, and you also have a a welcome too for your people, which is really important, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the yarning circle. It actually it comes from the, the first time we did the Indigenous Creators Program in 2019. It, you know, we, we hadn't done this before. It was its first, you know, um, kind of program in existence. And the, the first session was, was meant to be a discussion between two people, but one of the person, one of the speakers' flights was delayed, and it ended up being the board member Douglas Watkin by himself. And he just kind of worked on the fly and he was like, he, we, we walked in and all the chairs were in, you know, a row as they are, very conference-like. And he was like, you know what, nah, this is gammon. Like, let's get the chairs, put them in a circle and introduce ourselves. And he did a bit of a uh, warm-up exercise and then we all went around in the yarning circle um, explaining who we were and what our context was to one another. Um, and it really just, opened up the whole conference to, you know, we we all knew each other and, you know, these conferences can be quite stifling or a little bit intimidating. I know the first time I went, started going to conferences, um, you know, it, it certainly was an environment I was super used to. Um, so having people that I knew going through the four days, you know, even at a networking drinks, you know, you'd see someone who you met at the yarning circle and you'd kind of, you know, if they were standing by themselves, you'd pull them aside or, you know, you'd make sure you'd, you'd keep up with that person throughout the conference and it really, really enforced that community sense. And so programming this year's, I really wanted to make sure that we had a yarning circle so that everyone attending could feel that sense of comfort and community going through the program. And then I think the, the welcome, which is, is going to be at Mabu Mabu, um, right, aclo- right across from ACME, um, which is sponsored by ABC Indigenous, that's going to be so much fun. And I, I think it's just lovely to be able to have a bit of a celebratory moment um, at a venue that is Torres Strait Islander. Um, I think that's just the perfect way to kick off um, in, a, in a fun way. So, um, yeah, I, those two sessions are, are really about celebrating and and community, which are two of my favourite things. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much for taking some time to talk to me today, Laurie. No, thank you for having me. Good luck. Thank you so much. Yeah, and that was uh, Laurie Brannigan-Anato. They're the uh, First Nations producer for the 2023 Australian International Documentary Conference, which kicks off on Sunday. Uh, you can still get yourself a pass, uh, look it up online. There's lots of things happening there, uh, international guests as well as uh, local, uh, as well as um, lots of industry uh, uh, sessions uh, and general ones as well. Uh, there's some screenings uh, that are worth uh, buying a public ticket for. Uh, in fact, uh, you could curate your uh, attendance quite clearly. 
you're with Annie on Showreel uh, on 3CR. We're just about to end the program. Coming up next is published or not. But before we do, I want to mention a uh, um, a, there's a a tailored uh, screening of the Academy Award shorts that are being shown at a number of cinemas across the city. Uh, In fact, there's 40 there's 40 uh, locations across Australia, but uh, just as an example, the Nova are showing them uh, on um, starting tonight. In fact, uh, at, at one this afternoon at one thirty, as well as at six fifty, and it's also going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and uh, Wednesday. You've got opportunities to see this package of the shorts that are up for Academy Awards because one of them is actually a Queensland animator. There's two sections. There's the animation and then there's the uh, live action and uh, section. So there's five films in each. And one of the animations is by a fellow called uh, Lachlan Pendragon and it's called An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It. Uh Anyway, he's in contention, and in fact, he's going to be at the Nova on at the one uh, thirty. Uh, no, let's see, the one thirty session on Saturday. So uh, for a Q and A, uh, look up uh, the Nova um, website. You'll be able to see where these uh, f- films can be viewed. They're also going to be on at uh, the classic uh, Lido Cameo Belgrave Thornbury Saturday and Sunday. And uh, a number of village, village jam factory, village Knox, village Riverley, and Viv- village Southland. All really fantastic things to listen to. And I'm going to feature an interview with Lachlan on Solidarity Breakfast. But as I said, coming up next is uh, Published or Not. And we'll go out with a uh, cute song that's sort of to the point Mo- uh, Moju Native Tongue. Talk to you next week.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.